Without Mr. Chris Clinton. What's going on, Craig? How are you, man? Doing good. Doing good. First of all, apologies to our listeners for last night. Unfortunately, the storm was just a little bit too much for us. Clem and I come from Glen Cove and Lindbrook. So that would be quite the trek to come mm. out in this weather, and it didn't actually get any better as the night went on. Yeah, it was terrible so we, last night. So we decided to push it to Thursday night, and we are glad to be here, and we thank you for listening to us as always. And again, the number to call is 631-676-2968. We got a lot to do. Not a lot of time to do it. We'll get into our four local for the day with um, the Mets, the Giants, the Jets, and um, some interesting news and uh, more interesting news about the Giants. We'll get into the Manny Machado stuff. We didn't really get a chance to talk about it since we didn't have the show on Wednesday. We'll get into uh, a few other things as well. And they leaked. I don't know if you saw this, Clem. I did not. They have officially leaked the spoilers for the NXT TakeOver card in New York. Oh, come on. I don't want to be spoiled yet. I'm going to that show. So we will not, as a favor to you, I will not disclose the card. We might as well. You know, I'm going to end up looking it up at some point, so we might as well talk about it. (laughs) But we'll do that later. And, again, the number to call is 631-676-2968. What a difference 24 hours makes. It was the crappiest day ever last night. And then today it's like. It's like cool. I woke up this morning and I told my mom. I was like, "Mom, I walked outside and you wouldn't you wouldn't even know it snowed yesterday. It was went by that quick. Yeah, melted all away and everything like that. I was like, this is crazy. I mean, to me, it was like I figured, okay, you know, I was watching it from work and it was really coming down hard in the city. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, let me see how the day goes or whatever. But I didn't want to like kind of leave it too long because the last thing I want to do is like at five o'clock at night be like, oh yeah, I'm not coming out. You yeah. Know? Because that's not really fair. I'd rather just give it a little more time. But then as like the night went on, I was like, yeah, this is just really crappy. It was just I was slipping and, on the way home and stuff. Yeah, I hate, I hate driving in that weather. It's just not good. Yeah, so. All right, so here we go. Let's do our four local topics of the day for New York. Four local for Thursday. Or local. Can't wait. Every time I hear that music, I feel like I'm being like creeped up on by like you know, like something out of like a movie or something. <laughs> yeah, at least that at least that's better than the Urban Dictionary word of the week. <laughs> yeah, that one. That one needs some. I still need to edit that. I haven't had time. Yeah, that just seems like, like I said, like you know, what was it? You ever? I guess I wish I could remember what it was. They used to make like a real wobbly sound, like when you used to shake it. That's what that sounds like. Your <laughs> your, your music for. Uh, Urban Dictionary Worth Week, which we do not have one this week since we will not have a show tomorrow. So we will postpone that till next week. 
All right, so here we go, the four local topics of the day. And we start out with the Mets. And, Clem, it couldn't be more Mets spring training without an injury. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> it, what, we were not even in a, a week into spring training? They just training? got there. They barely they just had their first workout yesterday or the other day. But Jed Lowry had to go for an MRI as he was complaining about soreness in his knee. And uh, apparently there's no structural damage from what the MRI revealed, but they're going to take it very, uh, very slow, which means he will probably be out most of spring training and try to get him ready for opening day. Um, look, this is so typical Mets, right? The injuries just start, and then everybody, you know, you just kind of – you feel the morale. You feel the, uh, the excitement for the Mets baseball season just going down the toilet. That quick. Right, that quickly. <laughs> now, listen, Jed Lowry is not Manny Machado. He is not whoever. The fact is, though, it's just kind of funny. They, the guy you just gave $20 million to over two years, which we thought was a great signing, is now hurt. Yeah, I mean, look, like you said, there's a black cloud over City Field. I don't know what kind of, I don't know what is in the soup there. I don't know what's in the water, but it's just so it's like every year it's a key guy too. It's not even like oh, like well, I think like the Joe age Schmo plays a role in it. I think the age, you know, Lowry's thirty four. I mean, yeah, but I mean but, the Met, the Met, the Mets' luck with injuries is just horrific. But here's the thing. Here's why I'm not as worried because I think the Mets have enough depth to get through it oh absolutely the Mets have a ton of depth right now which is I think is really good between J.D. Davis between you know Dom Smith you could put Todd Frazier back at third base if you need to if he's going to miss some times I think Lowry's going to be the everyday third baseman from what I'm thinking not to mention you have a Denny Hechevarria who they just signed who was a great defensive shortstop which is what you're looking for you're really looking for somebody to preach defense the Mets just have a lot of options right now. And if you think about it, if they figure out a way to get Travis Darno out into the field, that could be another option. Yeah, you play, put him in the outfield, put him at first base. So He's got Mets, a good arm. The Mets definitely have options. So that's why I'm not too worried. And luckily, it's nothing more than just no structural damage. It's just sore. Yeah. Okay? So it's fine. But again, it's just like, isn't it so Met-like? Yeah. They, they haven't it even is. played a spring training game yet. First spring training game is Saturday afternoon. Barely a week of practice, and he gets injured. And you have a guy at, which means that injury was probably something pre-existing. Yeah, like something that happened maybe in the off season. Nothing major, but enough where it carried over into him reporting to workouts. Yeah, but well, again, tip, just typical Mets. That's what it is at this point. But like I said. It sucks. The good news is it's nothing structurally bad, which means that they will they'll be fine. He'll probably come back, you know, I think he'll be back before spring before the season spring training is out, which will be a good thing. Nothing new on the Jacob deGrom front. Now Noah Syndergaard is talking about how he'll I don't know if he meant to say He's not listening to – he's not going to just take a deal that Severino got. Like, yeah. he's going to really kind of – which, again, is his God-given right. I mean, yeah. Look, the, both of these guys, when they're healthy, are top 10 in the league. Yeah. Syndergaard and DeGrom. So DeGrom, DeGrom showed that last year when we've seen it from, De, uh, from Syndergaard in the past. They deserve their money, and I think, I think Syndergaard's absolutely right with that statement. The thing is, he's not going to be a free agent until 2021. The Mets have plenty of time. They don't have to worry about Syndergaard right now. 
I don't know why the Syndergaard extension talk all of a sudden hit the news. I think their primary thing is DeGrom. And right now they, you know, it's a lot of talking. But the more it drags out and the more people blow it out of proportion and the more people are like, oh, what are they going to do? It's typical Mets. So he's never going to sign. And you can't think that way. You cannot think that way right now. As I said on the show on Monday, in my opinion, Jacob DeGrom's whole innings limit thing is an empty threat. I don't find any – I am not the least bit worried about that. I don't think Jacob DeGrom, to be brutally honest, has the balls to take himself out of a game. Yeah. I really don't. He's more – I mean, look, from what we can notice of Jacob DeGrom, he's more for the team yeah. than he is for his own contract. I understand what he was saying. I think he – because the thing is, Jacob DeGrom knows he doesn't have any leverage. Yeah. He has zero leverage right now. He has – listen, he had a phenomenal year last year, won the Cy Young. I get that. But he still has two more years under team control with the Mets. The Mets can talk to him when they're good and ready to talk to him. And don't get me wrong. I think the Mets definitely want to get a deal done with DeGrom. That's like a foregone conclusion. There is no skepticism. There's no doubt. There's nothing in my mind that tells me that the Mets don't want to get a deal done with DeGrom. But again, the Mets, in my opinion, right now, hold all the cards. And it's not like... DeGrom's getting paid peanuts this year. He's getting paid $17 million in his arbitration deal. That's a lot of money. And the thing is, is that that's a good faith gesture, which leads me to believe that they want to get a deal done. Yeah. But these things take time. It's just like you can't expect a deal to come together in 24 hours. You know, you have a different idea of what people are worth. And the thing is, DeGrom is on, I think he's 30 right now, right? Yeah, he's 30. Okay, so in two years, he's going to be 32. You want to commit that money? How many years do you want to commit to this guy? He's not going to get more that I think from the Mets. He probably won't get more than five or six years. And I think what it is with Mets fans is you know, they see the talent DeGrom has and they want to lock him up. They want to just be sure like he's going to be here. He's not going to walk away. And that's what they wanted with Cespedes. That's what Mets fans wanted with Cespedes. They saw what Cespedes wanted. He loved it here in New York. And the Mets fans had to get him back. And that's exactly what they happened. They, yeah. they were begging for Cespedes to get back. And that's what Sandy Olson did when he was the GM. He signed back. Jonas Espinosa, mm-hmm. and now people are seeing the same thing with Jacob Degrom. They're seeing what this what this kid's talent is. Thirty years old, won the Cy Young. They just want to lock him up before if he goes anywhere after his after his yeah. uh, free agency is up. And that's what I'm saying. So right now, I just think the Mets really hold a lot of the cards. The Jed Lowry injury is troublesome because, like I said, they've barely worked out this week, and he's already got soreness in his in his back of his knee or something like that. And like I said, what you said, it could be nothing. The good news is it doesn't sound like he's going to miss extensive time. It's just sore. Yeah. Brandon Nimmo has a little bit of soreness in his shoulder. These guys are probably just working out. They haven't worked out in a while. So this is just their way of, you know, when they come back into it. And we all forget Lowry is 34. The body breaks down quicker than that. You know, it's not, they're not, he's not a young guy anymore. But I'm more... I'm okay with it now because of the depth. I really like the depth on this team this year. Yeah, there's a lot of good depth. Look, you have four to five outfielders right now. Well, uh, actually, technically, you have six outfielders. If you want to be real technical with it, you have Raji Davis and Gerardo Parra. I wasn't even thinking of them. Or Gregor I was, Blanco, that's the guy. Not I wasn't even uh, wasn't even thinking of those guys. I was thinking of you know you have Nimmo, Conforto, Broxton, and Lugaris. McNeil's getting some time at in the outfield, and Dom Smith has proven he can play the outfield. And I'm but pretty, Dom, Dom Smith is going to play first base. You know he's, that. Yeah, he's going to play first base, but you have that outfield depth where he can play the outfield. And it, there's, there's depth all over the place. Jeff McNeil can come in and play if he wanted to. 
You have Rosario. You have um, – See, I think what's going to happen is they want – I think they want McNeil to start. They want his bat in the lineup. That's the only way they're going to get his bat in the lineup. Yeah, because if the, if he can do what he did last year, that's a huge win for the Mets. Huge win. All right, number two. There seems to be a tale of two stories involving the Giants and safety Landon Collins, who was set to be an unrestricted free agent. ESPN reported that Collins cleaned out his locker – and said goodbye to teammates, which implied he would not be back with the Giants next season. The New York Post countered that article, saying that was not the case and that all signs point to the Giants using the franchise tag on Collins, which would make the safety very unhappy. Um, look, Landon Collins has to understand this is a business, that they don't, they're not going to let you go for nothing. Now, in my opinion, if Landon Collins hits unrestricted free agency, the Jets better jump all over that. You think so? Pairing Landon Collins with Jamal Adams? Oh, I know. But, I mean, I feel like they're not going to get just give up on – not really – I mean, not like if saying they would give up on Marcus May if Landon Collins is signed, but Marcus yeah, May's but Marcus May's worrying me. He's getting into that – like I said, we've said it a few times on the show, that Bob Sanders mode. Yeah. Talented safety can't stay on the field. And if you can't stay on the field, you are completely useless to this team. Aren't Don't Jamal and Landon Collins play both the same safety position? Aren't they both like uh, strong safeties? Uh, I think so. You can make it work. You could make it work. I mean, it was pretty obvious the Giants were not going to let Landon Collins go for nothing, and they probably couldn't work out a deal in time. Or maybe he, maybe he just want, maybe he wants out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what he thinks of Gettleman or Shermer or you know Betcher. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. The problem is, is that. It's a big loss for the Giants if he goes for nothing. That's your best play. That's your best. He's your defen- captain. I think he's your captain. It's your best defensive player. And in a team that's kind of been rebuilding a little bit by getting rid of, you know, they got rid of Damon Harrison. If they could, they'd probably find somebody to try to take Olivier Vernon. They're completely rebuilding the defense. They're rebuilding the team right now. But Landon Collins, I think, is one of those guys you have to build around. Mm-hmm. He, I think he's the anchor of your secondary. If you lose him, and I know he didn't have a great year last year. I know, his, I know he had a weak year last year. It wasn't as you know solid. But I think in the middle of that secondary, he's your anchor. He absolutely is your anchor. He, look, he's your best. Honestly, I'll say it. He's your second best player behind Saquon Barkley. And you got that's a person you build around. And the Jets are doing that with Jamal Adams a little bit. Yeah, you're building up that secondary, and you you brought in Tremaine Johnson, which who didn't have a great year, but you brought in the guys necessary you need to be with Jamal Jamal Adams, and mm-hmm. that the Jets defense took a huge step forward last year. It did, and the thing is, is that this makes an interesting wrinkle now to free agency. Now we don't really know who's going to get tagged yet. We're not really sure about that part. We you can know, make assumptions. There's That's assumptions, what? and yeah. Landon Collins definitely. You know, the part of me says he should get he should get tagged. But part of me also says – because the, the vibe I'm seeing from a lot of NFL players now is that they don't like to be tagged. They don't like to be playing on a one-year tag, depending on how much money it is. Though. Mm-hmm. You know, guys like Darrell Revis thrived on things like that. They would sign one-year deals like with the Patriots or whatever, and then they would make like a boatload of money, and there you go. But I understand that these guys want the commitment. They want the long-term deal. They want the guaranteed money. That's what they really want. And the thing is, I ask myself, have the Giants discussed any type of extension with Landon Collins all year? And I never really heard much. No, we haven't heard It was mostly about Beckham last year. Yeah. 
So maybe he feels insulted. And in that case, I don't blame him. He's a big part of that defense. Like I said, I know he didn't have a good, great year last year, but he's been a very good safety for the Giants since they drafted him in the second round. And I remember seeing all the attention on Beckham, and eh, not so much on Landon Collins. Maybe he feels insulted by Gettleman. Maybe he feels insulted by Shermer. Maybe he really does want out. Maybe there's a team he really wants to go to. But this seems to be a bigger story because it kind of came out of nowhere. It was almost like a foregone conclusion you thought he was going to sign with the Giants long term. Then it becomes a story about him cleaning out his locker. Now it's, you know, and he's not happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's very telling. Going into this offseason, which is a huge offseason, I think, for the Giants in some ways too because I still think the Giants have enough – if they find the right pieces here and there, can get that team back into playoff contention. And I do think Landon Collins can play a big role in that. Now, if some team swoops in out of nowhere and offers him a lot of money, now, he could easily get franchised and he could turn around and say, well, I want you to trade me. Yeah. I don't want to play for you. I don't really know if that's like his thing. I mean, it seems like it. If he's If this dude's cleaning out his locker already and doing all this other stuff, Kind of seems like he would be the guy to be like, okay, if you're going to franchise me, I want I want out of here. Yeah. Send and, me somewhere else. And again, that's where draft day trades come in. The Giants are rebuilding. They're trying to get younger. They're trying to, you know, figure out where they want to go. This draft pick, I think, is a monster pick for the Giants this year. Besides, you know, last year they hit it gold with Saquon Barkley. Now this year it becomes a case of do you draft the quarterback of the future? Do you draft Dwayne Haskins? Do you try to continue to rebuild your line and draft a guy like Jonah Williams? Do you draft a pass rusher? You know, depending on who's available. This is a big draft for the Giants, I think. It's a big offseason for both New York teams. I'll say that. You hit the nail on the head in this draft. I mean, and especially in their division, which I still think is a fairly weak division. I don't think the NFC East is a very competitive division. I think if the Giants ma- the Giants can match up very well with the Cowboys, they can match up very well with the Redskins and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And I think the Redskins are actually going to take a step back this year because right now things just look out of place with them. Alec- they're pretty much preparing for Alex Smith not being there. So then what do you do? Do you even bother signing a quarterback? Do you try to draft somebody for the future? Because that really, that's really what you should be doing. And what do the Giants do? They've already pretty much committed to Eli for 2019. Do they think that Nick Foles, do they go after Nick Foles? It sounds like Landon Collins at the end of the day just feels slighted. He feels like he's not, they don't view him as very important. That's probably why he wants out. Mm -hmm. And maybe they got to talking about something and the Giants either just blew him off or they just said, well, we're not really doing that right now, whatever. And he got mad and he took off. Mm -hmm. But it still doesn't, exclude the possibility that they could slap the franchise tag on. I think they probably will, honestly. And we're going into an age now in football where players are getting really pissed about the franchise tag. Le'Veon Bell, I'm sure Demarcus Lawrence will probably get pissed off if he's tagged again, although Jerry Jones seems highly likely to work out a deal with him. I I think it's just, and we saw it with Khalil Mack, we saw it with Odell Beckham. The players want the guaranteed money, and you don't get guaranteed money with a with a franchise tag. That's why they want the big contracts. They want the long-term contracts. They don't care where it's at. Mm-hmm. 
They just want they just want the money. That's what they really care about. You do me a favor, man. Raise up my volume again. Sorry, I like to hear myself. It feels weird when I don't. <laughs> okay, that's oh. better. Once you raise the wrong, there we yeah, go. Yeah, I raised my. Now, now I can hear that. Now I feel better. So again, this will be an interesting way that we'll see how this goes. Mm-hmm. But this is not looking good. This is going. You know, the, this is the last thing the teams like the Giants really need right now. They don't need any more drama. You know, there was a talk on Monday when I, I brought it up when I was uh, here by myself that Jake Glazer had predicted that Odell Odell, Odell was going to get traded this offseason. And the thing is, where does he go? You go to Cleveland? Does he go to – he's not going to go to the Rams. There's not a lot of options. Teams aren't going to want to take on that contract, not to mention, look, everyone knows he's a dynamic player. But the fact is, is – He's a headache. It becomes about Odell, just like the drama with Antonio Brown, which we'll get into later. But I think the last thing the Giants need is more drama, which is around probably their defensive captain. Mm -hmm. Best defensive player. You got to show him the love, man. That's how it works. Because if you don't, somebody else will. Exactly. Number three, the Jets made three additional cuts this week. And Mike Pennell, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, and Terrence Brooks. And while the names aren't super important, the moves ultimately increase the amount of money under the cap the Jets have to over $100 million. All signs point to the Jets making a run at Le'Veon Bell when he officially becomes an unrestricted free agent on March 13th. Um, first of all, the Steelers were very smart to just not even bother with the transition tag. And I'm not saying that because I want Le'Veon Bell and the Jets. I'm saying it because the last thing the Steelers need is just, again, unnecessary drama. This is carried over for way too long. From the beginning of last season, even probably the year before, to this year, you know, now to this offseason, it seemed like the Steelers were going to do everything they can to make pe- teams work for the possibility of getting Le'Veon Bell. And the thing is, if the, if the Steelers had slapped that transition tag on him, the Jets could still have offered him a big contract. The Steelers would never have matched it. I'm not even sure if the Steelers would have gotten a draft pick out of it. I just think they wanted to be, you know, be a dick and just, <laughs> and, you know, right? But you know what? It's time to move on. And this is a team that's in – this is another team that's going into a transition. You're about to lose your all-pro running back, even though James Conner did a great job last year. And now you're about to lose your number one receiver because he wants to be traded. And that puts a lot of pressure on a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, these are young guys. These aren't like guys who have been in the league for five, six years. These guys were drafted a couple, just a couple of years ago. But here's what I'm going to say, too. This is what I'm going to say about the Jets real quickly. Because there was another story that broke down. I don't know if you saw it. About Jermaine Johnson? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Made a man. Oh, that guy just loves to start stuff, man. Loves to stir the pot, baby. But you he know what, though? That's what makes him a good reporter. Gets the headline grab. He gets the headline. It wasn't even a headline grab. It was somewhere, I think, in the mailbag, like when the people send questions to him yeah. and everything. And, like, he, he just slipped that in there where you least expect it. And the thing is, it's brilliant the way he, the way he kind of slips it in. And I, I don't know if how serious this whole buyer's remorse thing is. Personally, I really like the Tremaine Johnson signing. I know he didn't play. I know he did not have a good year last year. For for Jets fans who think that the Tremaine Johnson signing was awful, you're nuts. 
You're nuts because he won. He was the best cornerback on but the market they, last year. You know year. what the problem is, Clem? They judge it off one season. Yeah. All the time. Now, if it's got to be you sign a guy like Tremaine Johnson, he better be a pro bowler every year he's with the Jets. Otherwise, it's a terrible sign. Yeah. Okay. He didn't have a great year. Part of me thinks he did not play to his strength. He's a man-to-man corner. Hmm. Todd Bowles loved playing him in zone, which allowed him to get torched. Which was nuts because I remember wa- I remember listening to the Texans game, and I wasn't watching this game. I was texting my buddy. I was like, why is Tremaine Johnson not covering DeAndre Hopkins this whole time? We had like Perry Nickerson covering DeAndre Hopkins. I was like, he's going to get burnt every play. Why is Tremaine not now, covering him one-on-one? You think Greg Williams is going to let that happen? Hell no. Hell but no. that's exactly my point, though. You know, and it really says a lot about Todd Bowles because he didn't put his best players on the best receivers and didn't let them play to their strengths. Mm-hmm. You know, half the time these guys would sign, you know. I, it was crazy how, like, he just didn't – I think Todd Bowles had a hard time with talent. Mm-hmm. Part of that is also McCagnon's fault. But it's so unfair to, like, again – one year, you're ready to run this guy out of town. And who are you going to get to replace him? They have so many other needs right now. The last thing we really need is to replace two cornerbacks. Because there's no guarantee Morris Claiborne's coming back. Or Buster Screen. I don't want Buster Screen back. You exactly. So, so Get say, to stepping. So, yeah. So, say you do want to get rid of Tremaine Johnson. That's three cornerbacks you're going to have to replace. And as good as Daryl Roberts is, he had a good season last year. He's no number one. He's no number one cornerback. And the cornerback market, not that good. It's decent. Decent twos, no ones, though. Look, at the end of the day, it's a three-year, $48 million deal for Tremaine Johnson. Not bad. Okay? It's not a terrible deal. And I think he'll play a lot better under Greg Williams because I think Greg Williams will expect him to be at his best. Yeah. He coached him in Los Angeles when they were St. Louis. Tremaine Johnson even came out at the end of the season. He was like, yeah, don't expect this kind of season next year. Uh, like He was mad at himself for the season he had. I just think, like, it's so, you know, but again, that's Maida. Maida loves to stir the pot, man. He just loves to, like, you know, it's almost like when, you know, like, you ever see prison movies when they just, like, shank you when you least expect it? <laughs> that's Maida. Maida just, Maida comes in with the shank and tells you, you know, oh, Tremaine Johnson, they got buyer's remorse. Now the Jeff fans are just like, there's the punch in the gut. Yeah. Okay? Listen, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. And right now, I don't really see it. And the thing is, I can't judge Tremaine Johnson off one bad season. He had one bad year. And like I said, Jets fans who think that, oh, my God, I hate we hate the uh, the Tremaine Johnson sign and we hate it. But no, you don't. Because you're the same fan who was clamoring to get Tremaine Johnson in the offseason because he was the best corner available and you needed a number one corner, which you didn't have with Morris Claiborne or Buster Screen. You needed it. But now, you definitely go after Le'Veon Bell. Absolutely. That's your first priority. They're already saying they're not going to break the bank for him. I think that's a big mistake. I think you have to show the fan base, listen, I don't really know what Le'Veon Bell can do. You know, there's a report that he was 260 pounds this offseason because, you know, he wasn't playing. But at the end of the day, he's better than anything you have on offense right now. Absolutely. He absolutely is. He'll take that. Offense to another octave. And That's thing, how good he is. Yes. And the thing is that you have to, like, you you, ha- you owe it to the fan base to go after this guy hmm. to make a big run at him. Now, 
Indianapolis will probably be in the mix. But the thing about the Colts is I don't know if they're going to like hemorrhage the kind of money that the Jets would. They've never seemed to be that kind of team unless they really, really like need him. Yeah. And the thing was, Marlon Mack had a strong year last year. The Jets know they need him. And I think that will be their primary focus. Now, as for the rest of the their period, listen, $100 million is a lot of money. And this is one I think McCagnan's got to hit out of the park. He's got him. Now, interesting note today. Greg Williams said that they're going to stick to a 3-4. Okay. He's normally a 4-3 guy. That's going to be interesting. But he said, you know, they were – I think they asked – somebody asked him or a reporter asked him, and he said that it plays to the strengths to the players the Jets currently have on the roster. Mm-hmm. So that means, in a way, it's a good thing because a lot of the players are used to playing a 3-4 because they played a 3-4 in the Todd Bowles. The downside is is it's the same scheme, and I'm afraid you're going to see the same result. And I hope that's not the case, even with Greg Williams. I love Greg Williams. I know he'll be aggressive. He's got great blitz packages. Now it's time to go get the talent. And I think the Jets have talented guys on defense. They do. And a lot of guys proved it this year. Darren Lee, I think, took a huge step forward. Jordan Jenkins certainly took a huge step forward. Henry Anderson came out of the clear blue sky and was just like, hey, I must be looking at two different things with Jordan Jenkins because – I think Jordan Jenkins is a very underrated Jet. And a lot of people I read, like articles I read, they're not really crazy about the guy. And I don't really – and I find it really – it's strange to me. I could see why people aren't crazy about Jordan Jenkins because, you know, his first two years in the league, three – whatever, how many years he's been in the league, he really hasn't done anything. He's been quiet. Last year, this past season, I think he took a huge step forward. Seven sacks. He saw the pass rusher that we need at outside linebacker, which granted, yeah, I mean, he's not – He's no Von Miller, but, I mean, they just haven't had a pass rusher in who knows how long. Probably since Abraham. Yeah, probably since Abraham. And Jordan Jenkins took a huge step forward, and you can build off that, especially now with uh, a Although when Jason Taylor was on the Jets for that one year under Rex, he wasn't bad. Yeah, he wasn't bad, but, I mean, like. I, I just remember that one hit where he leveled Tom Brady at, like, the end of a game. Like, it was like a, it sealed the win for them, but it was like he leveled Tom Brady. But to even go off that, the Jet, like like you just said, the Jets haven't had their own homegrown pass rushers since John Abraham, and now you see, you're starting to see Jordan Jenkins develop yeah. into into something. Look, I know it's only only seven sacks last year, but let's see where he can go this year with a great great defensive minded coach like Greg Williams teaching mm. him. Agreed. But right now, the fact is, is you know the hundred million dollars, and this is a huge offseason. You said it best when we were talking about the Giants before. It is a huge offseason for the Jets. It's a huge offseason for Mike McCagman. You know, the more I see Greg Williams, Adam Gase, now apparently him and Joe Vitt have buried the hatchet, which you kind of knew. There was no way that that was – if they hated each other that much, you would never see Joe Vitt or mm-hmm. Greg Williams on the Jets. So yeah. Greg Williams would be like, yeah, I'm not coming here. <laughs> All right. I have to think that they – you know, that's fine. But the more I'm like think about Adam Gase being the coach and Greg Williams being the defensive coordinator – I'm very excited for 2019. I'm very excited for this defense, too, because, you know what, some guys we saw struggling on this defense, like Darren Lee, Leonard Williams even. We can see maybe if Greg Williams can pull them pull them out of the rut that they're in. And because I just think – I think Greg Williams will make the adjustments. Yeah. I think Greg Williams will will know which buttons to push. I never got that vibe under Todd Bowles. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, I like Todd Bowles. I'm not saying I hated Todd Bowles. I really did like Todd Bowles. But I also think 
I never got that vibe that he knew how to just make the proper adjustments, find the right buttons to push, light a fire under their ass, do something. Yeah. I don't think you're going to have that problem with Greg Williams. And I don't think you're going to have that problem with Adam Gase. And that's what I want to see. I need to see accountability, and I don't see it. I never see it with Jets teams. You know, Adam Gase can get all pissy with the media all he wants. I could care less about that. Just win the damn games. Because I cannot stomach another 5-11 and 11 season. Neither can I. Number four, Fox Sports 1's Colin Coward has heard some rumors that Russell Wilson wants out of Seattle and prefers to go to the Giants. Why would he want out of Seattle? Well, this is what I think this is Colin Coward talking, you know. He's a clown. Right. I don't mind. He's okay. I don't – but he's he's had a tendency to – pull things out of his ass, like rumors and all that stuff. Wilson will be an unrestricted free agent after this upcoming season where he's scheduled to make $17 million. The Hawks could franchise him, which would cost $31 million. And Coward also claims that Wilson's wife, Sierra, singer, mm-hmm. would prefer to live in New York because it's more of a mecca for music and entertainment and all that stuff. Okay. Let me squash the Giants fans' hopes right now. Okay. Russell Wilson will not come to the New York Giants. And it is not because Russell Wilson doesn't want to come to the New York Giants. It's because I don't think Seattle will ever let him go. I don't see Seattle ever letting him go. That's their boy. Okay. You don't get rid of – you don't let a franchise quarterback walk. Okay. Russell Wilson is a huge part of that team. And unless he pretty much tells Seattle right to their face, I don't want to play for you anymore, which I don't see him doing, I don't think there's any possibility that Russell Wilson will be a New York Giant next year. There's no way. That's their boy. They're not going to get rid of, like you said, their franchise quarterback. He's the sole purpose. Seattle almost made the playoffs this year. Yeah. He's the sole purpose for the Seattle. He and carries that offense. He is the anchor of that offense. There is no way in hell that Seahawks are going to give that up and start over. Because to be very honest, while I think the Rams are a very good team, I'm not saying they're not, the Seahawks are always in the wild card hunt. They may not win the division because the Rams are just the better team. But they're always in the wild card hunt. And next year it will be interesting to see how the Niners finally do with a full season of Jimmy G. The Cardinals we already know are going to suck. But the one constant in Seattle has always been Russell Wilson. And like I said, when you have a franchise quarterback, you don't let that guy go. You Under no circumstances do you let that guy go. And he will get franchised anyway. So any, any fan, Giant fan thinking that Russell Wilson is going to be a member of the 2019 Giants, you're out of your mind. When is his contract up? After this year. All right, so say after this year. But if you don't think for a minute the Seahawks are not going to place a franchise tag on them, you're out of your mind. Yeah. So basically, by the time – I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. By the time Russell Wilson would even think about playing for the Giants, he'd be 32 years old. And at that point, you could easily have Dwayne Haskins, and you could basically just groom him for a year. And by that time, you'll have a young franchise – you'll have a young signal caller running the show. Yeah, you have Dwayne Haskins, or even if you want to wait out for Tua. You'll have two solid of rookie prospects to go off of instead of having Russell Wilson, who'll be 32 at that time. And here's the other thing. You're going to have to pay Russell Wilson a ton of money. Yeah. You're not going to be able to just get him for nothing. Yeah. It's no different with, like, with Beckham, with the contract he gave Beckham. Sometimes I think these are the types of things that just that people just pull out of their ass. Yeah. 
I've heard nothing about this. This is just something that kind of broke on. Like I saw it on SNY TV, but it came from like, you know, Colin Coward is, you know, oh, I've heard rumors. From who? From who? And while I, I understand the part about his wife, you know, because his wife is a singer and, you know, she's gorgeous and it's just entertainment industry and all that stuff. New York is obviously a bigger hub for that stuff. That, that to me is irrelevant. It's irrelevant because I think it's not going to matter. I think she will go where he wants to go. It's not going to matter. Yeah. But like I said, after this year, they're just going to franchise him anyway. Russell Wilson will not be able to leave Seattle. So any Giant fan with a glimmer of hope that Russell Wilson is going to be a member of Big Blue in 2019 or even 2020, you could just put it to bed. You're nuts. Because it ain't going to happen. It's definitely, definitely not going to happen. And And if I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. But I don't see any plausible scenario where the Giants are hemorrhaging money to not only Russell Wilson, but hemorrhaging money to Odell Beckham. Like, this is their guy. And Russell Wilson doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would say, yeah, let me get out of Seattle, the team I've played for, for eight, for, a set, for eight years. Like, he's not, he's not going to leave. But here's the thing, though, Clem. It's a rumor. Yeah. You know what a rumor is? It's not real. Thank you. It's not a real. A rumor is me saying, hey, the Jets are on the verge of getting Odell Beckham Jr. Did you hear that about that? I did not hear that. See? I just started a rumor. I have no basis for it. I have no backup. I have no nothing. Hey, did you hear that the Jets are going to go, uh, that Trey Flowers wants to come to the Jets? He wants to sign a long-term deal with the Jets. I'll take Trey Flowers. But did you hear it? <laughs> I did not. You didn't because I just started it. <laughs> it's a rumor. We have to stop taking people. What the hell was that? It's probably the guys next door. Oh. Um. You have to stop taking rumors for their word. People have to stop taking rumors for like face value. Sometimes people just say stuff just to say stuff. To get it means nothing. Grab. It means Click nothing. Bait. Like you know a lot of times Meta gets killed yeah, because he just writes articles. And sometimes I think he does pull them out of his ass. But sometimes he does write plausible stuff. And how he was blamed for basically like – running Doug Marone out of here before Doug Marone even had the job yeah. when he didn't even have the job to begin with. It's like, well, the rumor is Manish Mehta was the reason why. And it's like, <laughs> you know, again, rumors are rumors. Sometimes there's always a little bit of truth. I'm not saying there isn't. Because sometimes I think when things like that get out there, but I also think it's a lot of speculation. You know, Russell Wilson maybe just said, oh, when I retire, maybe I'll move to New York so my wife can focus on being in our music career. You know, she's a very good singer. Yeah. She's actually very talented. But it's like, I can't take this for what it's worth. Because I just, number one, I don't see the Seahawks ever getting rid of Russell Wilson. And number two, it just seems implausible that all of a sudden he's going to go to the New York Giants. But again, stranger things have happened. So we can't sit here and say, it'll. you know, I don't think it'll ever happen. And then the minute I say that, He'll get traded to the Giants. <laughs> Break time on the Moffat on the Mike show, only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The number to call is always a 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. As always, you can follow the show on Instagram at Moffat on the Mike, Twitter at Moffat on the Mike, and our Facebook page as well. We'll take a quick break. We'll get into the elephant in the room, and we'll talk about the Manny Machado contract. 
And uh, in the second hour, we'll do our five outside the New York State, the tri-state area. And we have today, the topics will be Bryce Harper, Antonio Brown, LeBron James, Zion Williamson. Man, did you see that shoe explode? Oh, my gosh. That, that guy's got some bunions, man. <laughs> wow. And we'll get into yet another wrestler asking for his release and having it granted by the WWE. And uh, we'll get in, and if we have time, we'll try to sneak in the uh, the rumored card for the NXT. Don't look. I'm not. All right. You know, just watch porn or something like you normally <laughs> do when you're doing the show. All right. And, <laughs> and what we'll do is we'll get into the. Uh, no, no, I'm only kidding. He doesn't do that. <laughs> But we'll get into uh, – we'll try to squeak in the um, the rumored card for NXT TakeOver in uh, New York for WrestleMania weekend. So, again, the number to call, 631-676-2968. You are listening to the Moffat on the Mic radio show only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We'll be back right after this. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, 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 you're listening to Moffat on the Mic on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Moffat on the Mic radio show, only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The number to call is always a 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. And as always, you can follow our show on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and our Facebook page as well. You wanted to get something off your chest, apparently. Yeah, Bobby Valentine's bad guy. Real bad guy. That's not, not how you put it during the break. He's a piece of crap. That's what yeah, he actually that's what is. We're, yeah. you, they'll use a little more colorful well. Well, he's, okay. he's really not, but, I mean, he keeps jerking me with this this interview I'm trying to do with him because for my senior year in college, I have to do a project. So I'm doing a project on sports after 9-11. That's my project. And I was like, during like the first semester, my past semester, in November, so I've been trying to do this interview. In November, I emailed – I just threw a line like I do to guys out here when I try to get uh, interviews for this show. I threw a line out to Bobby Valentine. Okay. I was like, hey, Bobby. Well, I was like, hey, Mr. Valentine, doing a project of sports after 9-11. I'd love to talk to you about it, all that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. Answers me the next day. I was stunned he even answered me. I was like, whoa. Well, how did you get his information? Well, it's right on – he's the sports director for Sacred Heart University. So oh, okay. He, he has his own right. thing right there. So I just sent him email. That's pretty cool. So I sent him the email, and he answered me right back, right away. I was stunned. He answered me. I wasn't even thinking he was going to answer me. So I was just like, I was like, oh, uh, can we do um, – he was like, yeah, I'd love to do the interview. Uh, when can we do it? I was like, oh, can we do it tomorrow? And he was like, no, I'm flying tomorrow. And I was like, okay. I emailed him right after. I was like, what day works for you? Didn't answer me. Emailed him the next day. Doesn't answer me again. So I let it go for like a month. I mean, like a month and a half. So a month and a half? I let it go for like a month and a half. Now it's in, now we're in January. I emailed him again. I was like, hey, Mr. Valentine, uh, just following up with you. Uh, do you still want to do this interview? Emails me back, yeah, we can do the interview. I was like, okay, awesome. What day works for you? What day do you want to do this interview? Doesn't answer me again. So then I didn't, I didn't even answer him after that. <laughs> I messaged him. What day is it? Yesterday. I messaged him yesterday. I was like, hey, Mr. Valentine, following up again, do you want to do this interview still? And he was like, yeah. He was like, and when are you free? He was like, we could, can you, do you want to do it tomorrow? I'm free tomorrow after one. And I was like, this is perfect. Where is there a number I can reach you at? Doesn't answer me again. <laughs> Does not answer me again. And then I emailed, oh, him. I e- I mailed, emailed him again this morning uh-huh, while not, I was at not work. Not great for you. I'm just... I emailed him again this morning while I was at work. Doesn't answer me. I emailed him again after work. Doesn't answer me. And I'm just like, 
this dude's playing with my emotions. Like, I keep telling my professor, I'm like, yeah, I'm getting Bobby Valentine in. I'm, I'm, I'm emailing. I'm talking to him. Oh, you and can't he, build it up, man. You got to keep that secret. And then, That's like, your first mistake. And then he jerks me again. Like, I love Bobby. I, I love you. But come on, man. The Sacred Heart a simple arri- interview. The Sacred Heart arrival of CW Post. Maybe that's It will why. be next year. It will be next year because Post is going well, D1. Well, you know what it is. He doesn't want to help out the enemy. <laughs> that's all it is. I mean, See, I've had two interviews. I've done two interviews with reporters already about the, my project. Maybe if you Skype him, like you do a video of interview, he can wear the 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 – the disguise he wore when he got thrown out of the game in the Mets game. <laughs> See, I want to ask him those kinds of questions, but okay, I got to stick it to my project. See, and I got my two interviews. I got two reporters to do my my project already for him, help me with it. My uncle's a first responder. I have to email him. And then Bobby Valentine would literally complete my my circle of reporters that I need, but he keeps just jerking me with this. I can't. Like, it's I don't, probably one of those situations where you just got to keep breaking his balls until he finally just like. I must have sent him like five emails today. I'm just because I'm just getting sick of it at this point. Because I told my friends, I was like, "Hey, well, is it like is this like if you don't get it, is your is your project like gone to, gone it, to hell? Or it's not it? gone to hell, no. Because I can just, I try and find someone else, but to get a guy like Bobby Valentine on my project would be great. Like I want because I want to try and get like a player. Just try to reach out to like Paula Duke or someone, like, whoever. You know what there. I email. Uh, Herm Edwards is people bad guys too, because I emailed them back in. Uh, Please, you know how many you know how many requests they probably get from like some random college. But see, kids? like I emailed like the um his assistant like di- the assistant football director over at Arizona State. I was like, hey, I know you guys are in the middle of your season. Can is it okay if uh, Coach Herm Edwards could uh take like five minutes out of his time to do an interview, or whatever? He's like, no, we're in the middle of our season, getting ready for the bowl game. I was like, okay, no problem. No. Nah, Emailed him after the season, again, back in January. Mm-hmm. I figured, you know, I'm like, you know what? He's, still, he's taking a break. It's uh, winter break right now. He's probably probably not doing anything. Right. Email. I mean, emailed the same guy again. He was like, yeah, Coach Edwards has been busy recruiting people. I'm like, there's no chance Coach Herm Edwards is going out and recruiting people. They can't take 10 minutes out of his time to just call me on the talk to me on the phone. So those those people, uh, Arizona State's bad people too. Maybe to talk to maybe Vinny Testaverde or something. You know? I can't. I I tried and find all pride these of Belmont High School. I know. I tried to get all these people's emails and everything. Like maybe it's tough. Can, maybe why don't you call Elmont High School and just say like, listen, do you, is there any way to like you know Vinny Testaverde's emails or anything? I mean, you might get you might get police at your door right afterwards because <laughs> you know, they'll think that you're like up to something bad. Like I just need like because but it can't hurt. Like I said, like I got the two reporters. If I can get like a player or a Which coach. reporters did you get? Anybody I know? Uh, David Lemon. From okay. Newsday. I got him and some dude from an uh, – I forgot his name. Dude, uh, Al get, Neal from – You know what? Use that tool to your advantage. Get David Lennon on the show. I was going to. I was going to ask him. I was like, hey, I know I do a radio show too, but I didn't want to you know, bombard him with all these interview <laughs> things right away. I was going to wait. I said the interview and that's it. No more <laughs> No more other shows. He was a cool guy though when I interviewed him. It was, he uh, seems like an all right guy. He was cool. Very cool guy. All right, so let's get into so all right, so they're not on your Christmas list. So that's Herm <laughs> Edwards. To recap, the following people Clem is mad at. <laughs> Herm Edwards, Bobby Valentine. And the people who work for Herm Edwards. Yeah, the people who work for Herm Edwards and Kurt Hawkins still. Still have that vendetta with Kurt Are Hawkins. You still pissed at Kurt Hawkins? I'm not mad. The guy, with... the guy hasn't won a match in like two hundred and forty, forty, forty five times. I mean my I'm God. not mad. I'm disappointed. You need to. Oh God! Like, <laughs> you're like the father who is like, you know, when your kid does something really messed up, and you're just like, I'm not mad, and that just hurts ten <laughs> times more than being like furious with the kid. So, 
Uh, all right. Clem's done venting, so let's do the elephant in the room real quickly. Well, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Well, uh, it'll be on the um, – we, we didn't get a chance to talk about the Manny Machado contract because we didn't have a show yesterday. For any of you who have been living under a rock, you know that Manny Machado has agreed to a 10-year, $300 million deal with the San Diego Padres. Here's the first thing I will say. I know for a fact that he did not want to go there. Mm-hmm. I don't need him to tell me that. I don't need anybody else to tell me that. I know for a fact he didn't want to go there because he just didn't. The team is not going to be a good team. Do you think the – I mean, the Padres are better. Don't get me wrong. The Padres are better with Manny Machado in their lineup. But they have no pitching. No pitching. Run yeah. down their rotation. Pull up their depth chart when you have a miss second. They have no pitching whatsoever. And I don't even think they have a bullpen either. They don't. No, they have – They have a lot of young, you know – Promising hitters, and I'm sure Fernando Tatis Jr. will be up, I think, at some point this year. Yeah, none of these names are really jumping off the Go ahead, read, the them, read them off to me. Uh, you got Joey Lucchesi, who did decent last year, but not decent enough to be your number one guy. You got, uh, what's his name, Eric Lauer. Again, decent year, but not not enough to be your number two. You got another young kid, Robbie Ar- Erlin. Not good, really. I've never heard of any of these guys. Exactly. Jacob Nix, terrible. <laughs> uh, Brian Mitchell, awful. The former Yankees uh, reliever? I guess. Oh, my God. That is bad. Who's their closer? Brett Kennedy. Not Brett Ke- Not this guy, but Brett Kennedy's in the rotation, too. And uh, Kirby Yates. Not awful. Well, Kirby, Kirby, yeah. Kirby Yates is not an awful guy to have as, as your closer. but But outside of Hosmer... And Machado, they really don't have any legitimate threat. Austin Hedges is not a bad catcher. Well, no, they don't have. I wouldn't or, think or Austin Hunter Hed- or Hunter Renfro is not is not a bad player. He actually had a pretty decent well, year last I'm, year. I'm not even going to count those guys because they have. Remember, they have Francisco Mejia mm-hmm. coming up. It came out today that Machado is going to be playing third base, so they'll ha- they have Urias. The they uh, he was like a top twenty prospect. They so, have Tatis who will be playing probably this year as well. Kinsler's on the team. I totally forgot about Ian Kinsler. He's like thirty eight though. Still Ian Kinsler though. He's a decent bat to have in the lineup. They have Will Myers in the outfield. Manuel Margot. He's a great leadoff hitter. Uh, Janowski and Renfro. Yeah. But I mean, do you think they're better than the Dodgers? No. Do you think they're better than the Rockies? No. But I think they do. They can. Be a threat. I'm them. not sure if they're better than the Giants. I think they are better than the Giants. The they're Giants- better than the Diamondbacks. I don't think the Diamondbacks are going to be a very good team this year. I can. I don't think they're better than the Giants. I think they are just because. Let's run down the Giants' depth chart real quickly, just to kind of like I know because I know they have obviously Bumgarner and uh, Samarja. I know Samarja's been terrible for them. Since Samarja they got stinks. Him. I think he's the most overrated pitcher in baseball. Not to mention Cueto hasn't been. I know Cueto was hurt last year. Cueto stinks too. Hold on. But outside of that, I mean, but the Giants, I mean. Giants are old. Giants are really old. Run yeah. down run down the Giants. Uh, Mad Bum, Derek Holland, uh, Stratton, Samarja, Drew Pomerez. Um, who's this? Derek Rodriguez, who had a good year last year. Cueto must be hurt then. Derek Rodriguez is really good. But other than that, their hitting isn't that good. You got Brandon Belt, who's all right. Joe Panic, who's. Again, all right. Brandon Crawford, who hasn't been good since his all-star year. Alvin Longoria, who's still good, but he's on the back end of his career. They have no one in the outfield, I recognize. Buster Posey's still behind the plate. 
but he's getting up there in age. He's going to be moved to first base pretty soon, I think. Exactly. Yeah, but and then and this the, is Bochy's last year too. Yeah, and then no one in the bullpen I've recognized. Sam Dyson. But it's interesting it. with the Giants, right? Because Buster Posey, not Buster Posey. I'm sorry, Bruce Bochy has announced that this will be his last year. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting scenario because you still have Madison Bumgarner, but you're not really any close to getting to a World Series. So the question then becomes, are you going to ship out Madison Bumgarner and just blow it all up Mm -hmm. with a new manager and a new team? Mm -hmm. Or do you build around Madison Bumgarner and build the entire team around Madison Bumgarner and the rotation? Uh, And the thing is, they're still not out on Bryce Harper. They aren't. I think... I still don't think Bryce Harper elevates this team over the Padres because, again, a lot of these guys are on the back ends of their career. Bumgarner is... But what's going to kill the Padres is their rotation. Yeah. And the thing was, Hosmer did not have a good year last year. He signed late, too. And that, but that can go to granted that, yeah, that he did sign late. You know, so we can but see... But then again, Soto Machado. Yeah. Soto Machado. And granted, listen, he'll wind up getting a full spring training out of it. So it's not like he won't. I mean, look, how can I say that? You don't need to sit Manny Machado during spring training if he just signed. You throw him out there on the first game and just say, okay, Mm -hmm. you're my third baseman. Go out there and play. You know, you want to sit him for a couple of games just so he can get in some conditioning? Fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But he took a deal from a team that he did not want to go to. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that was more of a case of they were pushing him to sign that deal because if he had taken a less deal with a better team, he would have been vilified by not only fans, but I think he would have been vilified by the players' union because they are pushing for these guys to get the big money contracts. If he takes less to go to another team, it doesn't matter if they're good or not or he wants to win a ring. The fact is, is... I won't say he sold himself out. I won't go that far. But it ultimately looks really bad. Because, again, what are you fighting for if you're the players' union? You're fighting for the big contract. You're fighting for these guys to get the big money. If they take less deals, it's a huge slap in the face. Now, according to the, some stuff I was reading, the White Sox deal would have actually wound up being for more money. But the White Sox deal was more incentive-driven. Mm-hmm. They were offering him 250 He had to meet certain incentives. And if he met those incentives, the total amount of the deal would have been $340 million. But look, he didn't want to go to Chicago. And there's nothing wrong with that. Chicago is not going to – I mean, Chicago, you want to talk about a team that's really salty that Machado's not going there? Chicago are like, you know, between what the GM said – between, uh, I think, Tim Anderson had some really kind of choice comments about it. Then they went out and got uh, – who did they get for uh, – didn't they get like Yonder Alonso and uh, John Jay, who are yeah. like two really close friends of Machado's? Yeah. Or one is related to Machado? Something like that, yeah. Not John Jay. I'm pretty sure it's Alonzo that's related to him. No, I think it's like Alonzo married like Machado's like cousin or something. like Something to that effect. Yeah. So – but he didn't want to go to Chicago. So you can't fault the guy for not wanting to go to Chicago. But you can't sit there and tell me he wanted to go to San Diego. He didn't. No, he absolutely did not. And I was listening to Michael K show today, and he was. They were saying that 
You can't. You can. I'll bet any amount of money on it. He'll never come out and say it, like you just said, that he did not want to go to San Diego. He wanted to be a Yankee. Yankees were not offering him that money, so he settled for the Padres. But the thing that worries you about like this, if you're a Padres fan, while it's a it's a great signing and you should be very happy because he's a he's a great hitter, mm-hmm. you start to get into your head that if he really didn't want to be here. Is he going to really put forth his effort? Mm-hmm. And you know, we we joke about stuff like that, and we 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 tend to overreact to things like that. But I don't think I'm wrong. I could easily see him coasting because he's got the money. Now, again, I don't know if that's going to happen. But the fact is, is that he did not want to go there. The teams that were on. The list to get him were not interest interesting to him. Mm-hmm. The Phillies doesn't seem like nobody wants to go to the Phillies, <laughs> right? The Phillies, the White Sox, the Padres, and I feel like there was one other team, and I cannot remember who it was. I feel like I was four teams that were interested in him. They were down to four, or that could be more for uh, Harper. Make no mistake about it, Manny Machado wanted to be a Yankee. He did not want to be a San Diego Padre. But they were the only team, in my opinion, I'm going to say dumb enough to give him the money. Because, again, while I think he's a very good player, and I won't say you bid against yourself, Mm -hmm. but it seems like you you could have definitely got him for under 300. I think so. I think they made – look, they made this deal for the obvious right reason. I think because they have a lot of young prospects coming up and they're trying to build around Machado, which they absolutely is. The one thing I liked about maybe like Machado's being a little more optimistic with this signing is, one, he agreed to play third base. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't going to – he he came out earlier when the offseason started that he was not going to play third base for any team. He wanted to play shortstop. But except for the Yankees. Except for the Yankees, exactly. I think he – what I think he does is, like, you know, me and you being Jet fans, he's optimistic about this team. Like, we're optimistic about the Jets every year. <laughs> um, he sees the potential this team has. You have great, great star uh, guys in this lineup like Eric Hosmer, Will Myers, Francisco Mejia, uh, Urias, Ian Kinsler, Manuel Margot, uh, Janowski, Renfro. Yeah, young you know, guy, you know what the crazy thing is? None of those guys are pitchers. And that was going to be my next. That, that was going to be my next point. They may have no pitchers right now, but I just looked at their their top prospects. Seven of their top ten prospects are all pitchers, and that's exactly why they were pushing. They wanted to do a deal with the Mets for either Syndergaard or Degrom. Mm-hmm. So and you the can Mets build wanted, and the Mets wanted Tatis, and the Padres said no. Yeah, but I look, I like the direction the Padres are going. Seven of, like I said, the seven of those. 10 top prospects that the Padres have, they're all ranked within the top 100, which now, is fantastic. Here's what this also does, in my personal opinion. This totally throws away the union's argument mm-hmm. that teams aren't spending money. Yeah, because they just – Sorry, went. but you, you can't play that card now. Not when Manny Machado got the second highest contract in league history behind Giancarlo Stanton. You can't sit there. You don't get that, you don't get that right. And the thing is, we just see a trend from last year. Last year was the same thing. 
You Darvish signed late, and he wound up getting, I think, 150. Eric Hosmer got like 170, I think, for eight years. Mm-hmm. These guys are getting the offers. And I'm inclined to agree with Manfred. I really think they are getting the offers. They're just waiting and biding their time to see if better teams are going to come forward. And you even saw that with Harper's deal. We got the report that was either yesterday or the other day that Harper has denied multiple $300 million plus million dollar contracts. So the offers are being out there. Just that these guys aren't accepting it. You can't. There's nothing you can do if the guys doesn't accept the contract you offer him. If it is three hundred plus million dollars, but at the same time, he didn't take the three hundred million dollar deal from Washington because he probably didn't want to go back there. Mm-hmm. He's been very hesitant about signing with Philadelphia, and outside of that, none of the other teams that are interested in him he want he doesn't want to go to. Mm-hmm. So where's he going? So while I understand the players are frustrated that these guys aren't signed quick enough. It's also hypocritical to say that teams aren't spending money when a team like the San Diego Padres shell out $300 million for a player. You can't sit there and do that now. You, that card is long and gone. That ship has sailed. Now, where Harper goes, we will never know. We don't know. But the fact remains is that you cannot sit there now and say, well, teams aren't spending money. Teams aren't doing this. Teams aren't doing that. Because what seems to happen is at the end of the day, the players ultimately get what they want. Mm-hmm. They get the contract. It just takes longer than they would have liked. And listen, I understand it from a player's perspective too. I understand the fact that They just want to get to a team and feel comfortable knowing full well they have a signed contract so they can go to spring training and work out and all that stuff. I'm sure a lot of times if they just want – they're just chomping at the bit to get out on the field and play some ball. But this could be the new norm in Major League Baseball. Owners are going to wait this crap out. And you still have Craig Kimbrell not signed. You still have Dallas Keuchel not signed. I mean, that's pretty, still pretty alarming. And you still have Bryce Harper not signed. And I think if Bryce Harper takes the deal with the Phillies, it's going to be the same thing that Manny Machado did. He's going to settle for a deal for a team he has zero desire to play for. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. That's what it's going to come down to. And one more note on the Yankees with Machado. Apparently... The Yankees never made an offer, which we knew for weeks. But then interest, another little wrinkle comes out. That the meeting that they originally had with Machado mm-hmm. was not requested by the Yankees. It was requested by Machado. Mm-hmm. And another piece of the puzzle falls into place. Yeah, so it was true what... If it, that's true, then you really... Then at the end of the day, you already knew what their interest was in Manny Machado, which was not much. Yeah. They didn't need him. They have Didi. They have Gleiber. They have Andujar. They are set. They don't need Manny Machado, and they have, which we said that from the very beginning. And they have Tulo, and they have DJ LeMahieu, two guys who do very underrated guys. I feel like the Yan- Yankee fans keep overlooking. Well, you have to be prepared for the fact that Tulo is going to get hurt. DJ LeMahieu, I love. I, th- that was, I thought that was a great signing. I Fantastic really did. I signing. Was, you know, 
if the Mets hadn't pulled the trigger on the Robinson Cano deal, DJ LeMahieu, I would have loved to have seen DJ LeMahieu on the Mets. See, and that's the thing, even with the Mets too. Like even if the like you said, if the Mets didn't pull the deal for Cano, I would have been perfectly fine with Jeff McNeil being our everyday starting second baseman. And I, we, even when we talked to Anthony DeComo, I asked him that, and he was like, "It looks like yeah, he's going to be the starting second baseman for the New York Mets." Which mm-hmm. was fine. I was fine with that. Me too. I like his bat. He won't be able to sneak up on people, though, so he's got to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Teams are going to be more prepared for him this year. But is this going to be the new norm, though? <sighs> Guys are going to take contracts with teams they don't want to play for just because they're getting paid a lot of money? Is this what the new changing of the guard is in Major League Baseball? It, it really is starting to look like that because last year, you know, it was – Eric Hosmer, Mustakas, and that was really it, who haven't signed. Because what it looks like to me is is that the Yankees and the Dodgers are going to be teams that I don't think are going to be very aggressive anymore in free agency. I don't think you're going to see them shelling out monster contracts unless mm-hmm. it's for their own guys. Guys like Judge, guys like, you know, maybe with the Dodgers, you know, I don't even know, to be honest, but Corey Seager. Just to name, I'm just naming guys off the top of my head. I don't think the Giant, the Yankees are going to be that team. The Red Sox sure as hell weren't that team this year. The Red Sox, I was talking to Keith the other day. We were talking about the Red Sox because the Red Sox really haven't really made too many moves and they're not really going to. And I was saying that the Yankees were already being favored to win the East. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is fine. Here's the one thing I will – the other thing I'll say about it. The Red Sox could easily just be saying, you know what, we're going to take this year off. I don't think they will because the reason is is because they still have a loaded roster. They have a loaded roster. Yeah, they didn't really lose anyone. They lost Kimbrell. That's really it. People are just mad that they didn't bulk up the bullpen. Maybe there's something we know. One thing – let's call it what it is. Alex Cora is a fantastic manager. Mm-hmm. Okay, he is a fantastic manager. Won the World Series in his first year with Boston. That lineup from top to bottom is going to be lethal. Mookie Betts, Andrew Benintendi, J.D. Martinez, Pedroia's back this year if he's healthy. Sure, he's healthy. Devers, Jackie Bradley Jr. had a strong uh, postseason. Hopefully, he continues into the regular season. You have Brock Holt, Stephen Pierce, and Eduardo Nunez coming off the bench. Yeah. And then, you know, you have Sale, you have Price, you have Porcello, you have Avaldi, and you have Eduardo Rodriguez. It's not bad. You really, Like I said, you didn't lose anyone except for Kimbrell. That's really it. And um, Sean Kelly. It was really to it. Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly. Sorry. Joe Kelly was a big loss. Let's, let's, not, let's not sugarcoat that. Mm-hmm. He was a very big part of that bullpen. He was. But I, I still think that the Red Sox are going to get Krimble back. I really think so. Maybe. But right now, just to leave it at this before we go to break, the fact is is these guys are signing contracts with teams they don't want to play for. Mm-hmm. And that's a fact. There's no – I've said it a million times on the show, Clem, and you've been here. At least I think you have. <laughs> If Bryce Harper wanted to sign with the Phillies, this would be a done deal by now. It should have been done months ago. If he really, really wanted to come to Philadelphia, 
See, but I think at the end of the day, he'll settle for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Or the Giants, or the White Sox. Whatever team ends up signing, he's going to end up set, settling for them. Because everyone knows Bryce Harper wants to be a Yankee, and it came out real quick. That but what does Yan- that say about Bryce Harper, the person? The bad guy. We that all know no- he's a bad guy. nobody is interested. Nobody wants to deal with the drama. And to be honest, here's my question. Does he make a team better? No. And I don't think so. If he signed with the Nationals, if he re-signed with the Nationals, the Nationals are basically the same team as they were last year. In fact, you could argue they're going to be worse offensively. Because one key part of that team is missing, and that's Daniel Murphy. But outside of that, I don't think, like, Bryce Harper will sign a contract with the Nationals and everybody will say, oh, the Nationals are the favorites to win. Why? Why are they the favorites to win? They're not. Strasburg, it's the same rotation unless you have Patrick Corbin. You don't have Tanner Rourke anymore. You don't have Gio Gonzalez anymore. I don't think this is a very good, that they're that good of a team. And Bryce Harper wasn't winning anything with Washington before, so why would I think he's going to win something now? Armed with a 10-year deal, now all of a sudden this guy's all about, oh, it's all about the World Series. He's never seemed to be that guy to me that's like that leader, mm-hmm. that committed leader that's like makes everyone around him better. He seems like the guy to me that got his ass choked out by Jonathan Papelbon, <laughs> which to this day is still kills me. I'm looking at this team right now, this Nationals team. It would not get better. I mean, it does get slightly better with Bryce Harper in, in the lineup because you take Adam Eaton out of the lineup and put him in right field. But you still have Zimmerman as your starting first baseman. It's not good. Brian Dozier is your starting second baseman. Not He's good. Old. He's getting old. Max Scherzer is another year old. Strasburg, always injured. Corbin, inconsistent. Jan Gomes, always injured. It's not – It's you can't really tell me that – and Harper himself – is inconsistent and always injured. So you can't rely on Bryce Harper himself. But I just think it's getting to the point where we have to stop. The minute these guys sign a contract, it's like, oh, my God, the the team is going to be so good this year. Really? Because I don't think the Padres are going to be that much better this year. And I sure as hell don't think whatever team Bryce Harper lands with is going to be that much better either. Yeah, I know the Phillies got JT Real Muto. And they have Andrew McCutcheon, and they have Gene Segura. And their rotation is pretty decent with Nola and Arietta. But we need to stop proclaiming them to be the favorites just because they got Bryce Harper. I was saying to Keith, I was like, I could care less if Bryce Harper signs a Washington or Philadelphia because, quite frankly, the Mets have seen Bryce Harper. They know what they're, they, they're getting. They're not stupid. Mm-hmm. But on that note, let's go to break. Very quick break, like a minute. All right. All right. Because we still got a few more other things to do. And now that we talked about Bryce Harper, we can get into the NXT card just for you. All right. <laughs> so you are listening to the Moffat on the Mic Radio Show only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The number to call again is 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. As always, you can follow the show on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and our Facebook page as well. We're going to take a very quick break. And we will do the five outside the tri-state area, uh, our five topics national-wise. And uh, we'll try to squeeze in a few other things as well. 
before the end of the show. You are listening to the Mafra on the Mic radio show only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We will be back right after this. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, 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 you're listening to Moffat on the Mic on, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Moffat on the Mic radio show only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The number to call is always a 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. You can follow our show on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and our Facebook page as well. Craig Moffat, Chris Klim here on a special Thursday night episode as we were not here last night for the uh, snowstorm. And programming note, we will not have a show tomorrow night. But Monday night, I will not be here. But for all of our listeners, you will have the pleasure of hanging out with Chris Klim on the Monday night solo show. It's gonna be. Are you excited? I am very excited. My parents keep asking me, what are you going to talk about? What are you going to talk about? I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about yet because the new sports news hasn't happened for Monday yet. But you know the rules. Yes. Okay. No guests. No guests. Okay. (laughs) That's it? It's trial by fire. (laughs) So please join, please watch, whether on Facebook Live, Periscope, or listen on the TuneIn app. The Chris Clem experience on Monday night, to be very, 10 p.m. To be a very good show, I think. I will be at the Disturbed concert on Monday night, so I will not be able to, to tune in. Okay. So, but I got this. But it's good. No, I think it's actually good. So, everyone, please check it out, the show. Monday night, I will not be here, but Clem will definitely be here doing a solo show. So, definitely check it out. And, again, no show tomorrow night. Okay, let's do five outside the tri-state area. Clem, whenever you're ready. Okay. So we already talked about Harper, so we're going we're gonna to segue into something else. Add another wrestler from the WWE requesting their release and having it granted, and that is the Perfect 10, Ty Dillinger. Dillinger, in a post on his Instagram account, confirmed that he requested his release from WWE and made it seem like he was gone from the company, even though it hadn't been officially granted at the time he posted his Instagram. However, the WWE, from what I heard, have granted him his release. One thing I read from this article was Dillinger seemed to be very well liked in the locker room. A lot of people kind of tweeted in his um, in his support. Nobody like major like Seth Rollins and those guys, but you know guys like Xavier Woods, um, the Iconics, like just to name a few. And Cody Rhodes had a little bit of a cryptic tweet, almost like maybe Ty Dillinger could be going to AEW. I think. It's already certain he's going to AEW. I mean, everyone loved Ty Dillinger. Fans loved Ty Dillinger. Like you said, the people in the locker room loved Ty Dillinger. And it sucks that he's gone. It really does Now, the suck. problem is, is that, again, this is where WWE really has to be nervous, man. They really do. Because these guys are asking for releases left and right. You already had three people. The Revival had asked for one until they made him the tag team champions. <laughs> Mike Kanellis asked for one. Now he's on 205 Live. Ty Dillinger asked for one. But then on top of that, a team like the Usos weren't really happy. Mm-hmm. So they put the tag team titles back on the Usos. Again. In a way to keep them to stay. And the thing is, and then I ask myself, are wrestlers in this federation really starting to get fed up? I mean, get fed up with the amount of, you know, with the lack of push. The fed up with the the schedule, the fed up fed up with everything. 
I mean, listen, you have to have – the only way you can survive, I think, on the road as a pro wrestler is if you are literally married to the business. Mm-hmm. Triple H and Stephanie McMahon probably have such a great marriage because they work together in the same industry. So they probably travel together a lot. And they know they don't really have to do you – know, I mean, listen, I'm not saying they don't work hard. Far from it. I think they work very hard at – you know, especially I think Triple H has done an amazing job with NXT. But they're together all the time in the same industry. Yeah. It's hard for these guys. That's why when the story broke, you weren't here when we talked when I talked about Corey Graves and Carmella. Okay. It's hard for these guys. And the thing was, again, I was also talking to Keith about, you know, Keith and I talk wrestling all the time. And we were talking about it. And I said, I'm like, temptation is a very difficult thing to control, Mm -hmm. to avoid. When you're on the road, as long as these guys are. Now, I don't know how often Corey Graves is on the road besides Raw, SmackDown, and the pay-per-views because he's just an announcer. Yeah. House shows, I'm sure he's not there. Or maybe he does more backstage work. Who I have no idea. But when you're hanging around people and you're hanging around the same people over and over and over again, you probably develop some kind of an attraction or just some kind of feelings for each other. I mean, because – but they know you're married. Now, from what I had read, Corey Graves' marriage was in the toilet anyway. Yeah, that's what so I So it was heard. pretty much not – I mean, he was pretty much – it was on borrowed time. It was on life support, basically. And the thing was, Carmella got just destroyed on Instagram. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for Mella. And, you know, we don't really know the truth behind it because mm-hmm. the wife, from what I've heard, Graves' wife is a little bit wacky. Like, she's a bit of a wackadoodle. But – just things like that are hard. That's why you see stuff. Like I read today that Charlotte is dating Andrade. Yeah. Cien Almas. I forgot that Zelina Vega was married to Aleister Black. Yeah. And you see, you're starting to see this a lot too now. A lot of wrestlers are dating each other. Because, because I think it's the only way they can maintain a normal life. It is because look, if you get, you really got to think about for people listening, you got to think about what these WWE wrestlers go through day in and day out. They are constantly traveling, whether it's to Monday Night Raw, SmackDown Live, doing these live shows every week. They're barely home. Yeah, they really rarely are home. So they don't see their kids. Yeah, they don't see their wife. But they have to – that's how they make their money. They have to be on the road unless they take their wife and kids with them. Yeah, and like you can say like some of the big-name guys, like maybe like the Mids, Seth Rollins, Charlotte. These people, they don't really have to do these live events every other week. So they can get they get the luxury of going home. And I did get to notice that when I watched uh, – Gonna li- not going to lie, I watched Miz and Maurice. Very entertaining show. Um, but you saw he was – Miz was coming home. A lot during that because he's the Miz, you know. But like right. with these, some of these lower tiered guys, like uh, like the Revival, Sasha and Bailey, um, who know who else knows the roster? Ty Dillinger, Carmella and Corey Graves, like these these people. They have to they live on the road. They the road is America is their home. They don't really have a home. So let me ask you a question: What did you think of the call ups for NXT? I thought it was done really poorly. I thought it was done well, but I thought it was. But it was so cheesy. Come on, Clem. You know, I Triple H announcing that Ricochet was going to be on Raw. I mean, that was kind of ridiculous. You know, I've never done that before I'm, ever. You know, I'm mad. It was announced. Just give me a surprise. Give me a surprise. I want to be surprised. Like, whoa, Ricochet's here. No fooling. But like, that's what they always used to do. Well, though, they used to always do the element of surprise. Yeah. And like they and like, 
he comes out. First of all, it came up on my phone on the app mm-hmm. that said, oh, the NXT guys are backstage or whatever. And then Triple H comes out with this whole long, like, exasperating speech about, well, you know, we're, oh, you know, and he's going ricochet and they put ricochet's face up with the, the cheesy lettering yeah. on the video wall. They could have easily done a surprise like thing like that. Just, I mean, yeah, give me a surprise. Like, I'm not mad that they got called up for these two shows, but I'm mad how just how it was went about. Like, I don't get me wrong. Like, I loved watching Alistair Black DIY and Ricochet this past week. But yeah, give me the element of surprise. Like, oh my gosh, Ricochet's here. Oh my gosh, DIY is fighting the revival. Alistair Black the- versus Andrade. Like. Yeah, but like, why pair up DIY? And what do you do with the NXT World Title? Is Champa gonna drop it? I think this is just a one-off thing because I th- what I've what I've heard is that Vince was like, "Oh, well, Raw has stunk these past couple of weeks. Let's change it up a bit." Triple H giving your your best four guys on the roster. That's exactly what he did. He gave them the best four guys that they have on NXT. Brought them up, won all their matches. But let me ask you a question: Do you think that that was a way to kind of deflect off the Corey Graves drama? A little bit. That's why, and I read that's why Carmella and Naomi lost first in the elimination chamber. Dude, they got pinned by the Iconics. I know. Those are your girls. And I was so happy, too, because I really liked them, too. I, ho- I, ho- I hope they turned them into, like, it's okay to be, like, a goofy tag team, but I just want to see good wrestling from yeah. them. And I thought they actually weren't bad during the elimination chamber match. They weren't great, but they weren't bad. The either. thing is, Peyton Royce is good. Billy Kay's on the eh side. But yeah, that's what I read. I read after the fact that it got. See, she- not when Nia Jax crashed through the pod. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like a Mack truck running through that thing. <laughs> that was crazy. But um, oh, what was I just about to say? What were we just talking about before that? We were talking about um, the oh, something I was saying. I was on a. We talking about the NXT guys. Yeah, I don't think they will. Um, these are call ups, and that's another thing you mentioned too, because I heard there's supposed to be big news coming soon. And I think they might be referencing NXT being the third brand. Because you know what? They have the get, get they're trying to get. But people. you saw Gargano drop the belt last night. Yeah, to, to Velveteen. Velveteen. Great match, by the way. I have to watch it. I haven't watched it yet. Fantastic. A, A NXT show last night. For what it's worth, real quickly about Elimination Chamber, you know, because you weren't here when I, when I talked about it on Monday. Um,. I didn't think it was a bad – I thought it was a good paper. I thought it was overall. very good. But the Elimination video. Chamber matches themselves were great. Yeah. The women's match took a little longer to get going. Yeah. But when it did, it got – it was really good. Um, I thought the Rousey match was a complete waste of time. It was. Um, I just thought it was nothing more than filler, in my opinion. Um, who else was on the card? Strowman-Corbin uh, match. That was a ridiculous – That was terrible. Here's what I didn't understand, right? So you bring McIntyre and Lashley in to, inter- to interfere in the Elimination Chamber match, and then they fight the next day, and Lashley and McIntyre are nowhere to be found. It's funny. I'm listening. That made no sense. I'm listening to the What's Wrong with Wrestling podcast coming in here, and Andrew and Joe said the same thing. They were just like, you know, they have them in this ma- this n- disqualification match on Monday. They come out, help, help Corbin. Monday, they're nowhere to be found. Yeah. Like, it, what the heck was that? It doesn't make any sense. But even to go off... What I was just said before, I think they, I think they're preparing NXT to be a the third brand because they have so much talent, and it's being and you you heard you I think that's a, you're getting a little taste of it, and even you heard in Sasha and Bailey's promo for the women's tag belts, they said they'll fight anyone on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. By the way, I don't mean to change the subject real quickly. So we're what you guys can't see is we have a TV on in here, and we're always watching ESPN. 
So they're interviewing Jeff uh, Payson from uh, Yahoo. He used to be on Yahoo Sports. Mm-hmm. So the funny thing is, like, there's all these books, right? But right behind him is the album cover to Rage Against the Machine's Evil Empire. <laughs> I think that's amazing. And next to it is the Wu-Tang Clan's Enter the 36 Chambers. I mean, this guy's fantastic. This, guy, this guy's got great taste in music. I mean, like, like who else would put an album cover of Rage Against the Machine's Evil Empire behind them? That, I don't know if you you don't listen to Rage Against the Machine, mm. but they're well past your you – know, well, well, uh, well, not in your hate. Well, now, now that we're on the topic of music, did you see they're making – the made, uh, for Netflix, a Motley Crue doc, uh, yes. biopic. I want to see it so bad. Like It's on my did, list. Did you watch the trailer for it? I have not watched the trailer oh my, for it yet. I keep watching it. It looks so good. Like I never really, I, like, I liked Motley Crue's music, but like I watched the trailer and I was just like, like I'm, I'm all into it. Like I'm all listening. To, I'm listening to the albums now. I'm listening to I'm like, yo, Motley Crue is so good. And like I wanted to li- – like, like I was telling my friend, right, my friend Chris, who I'm going to see Disturbed with on Monday night. We're big concert guys. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I haven't really been able to do too many concerts. Part of it is here, but also because, like, you know, I have my kids at home and everything, so I'm not able to just, like, not like I used just, to be. Just go out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not how it used to be. However, this summer, I am literally planning my vacation around concerts because there's three bands that I absolutely love to go see. One, Slipknot. Two, Corn, and three, Alice in Chains. Ooh. And Corn and Alice in Chains are touring together. Are they really? Yes. Oh, that's sick. And Slipknot is doing their own tour. And Slipknot's, they're, they're freaking out of their mind. They're, they're <laughs> you get those fantastic mosh- music. No, get- I don't do that anymore. <laughs> anymore. Because the hip's going out. <laughs> the hip's going out. Like, I'll go to the right, the hip goes to the left. I, I can't I can't take that chance. Yeah, I'm really excited for my own, I'm go- in less than a month. No, about a month. Me and my dad, he got for my birthday. He got me. Me and him are going to see Kiss at the Coliseum. Yes. Oh, dude, that show's going to be amazing. I know. I can't wait. My dad keeps reading all the rooms. Although like, Gene Simmons is seventy years old, he's still doing the tongue thing. It's really creepy, though. It's like yeah. I was, I was just out. like, you know, I'm, he's like, I was like, Dad, are they still dressing up? He was like, Yeah, they're still dressing up. Have you seen ever seen Kiss? No, dude, you're in for a treat, man. I saw I saw Guns N' Roses three years ago, and I thought that was a sick concert. I and took my wife to see Kiss. Like, I just bought like cheap tickets at Jones mm-hmm. Beach. The show was unbelievable like they just like they go balls to the wall for I like two I, hours like i they really play, can't wait they play a lot of their old stuff but it's a lot of pyro it's a lot of like you're gonna lose your hearing um, like because the, the pyro in the nassau coliseum because such a smaller arena yeah is insane it's I gonna can't be wait. crazy it's gonna be and now that you know this uh motley crew documentary is coming out i want to not documentary but the biopic i want to i want to see motley crew in concert i was asking my dad i was like dad does motley crew tour anymore and they're like they'll be not- back they, my dad was like, yeah, they said, they said it was their last tour. If the like, roast beef is right, they'll be back. <laughs> if they were smart, they would tour after this biopic comes out. So basically, at what, you know, Ty Dillinger, we'll just leave it at that before we move on. Ty Dillinger, again, while it doesn't seem like a big loss for WWE, I think under the surface it definitely is. And I think it is going to be a loss because I think it's going to start a trend. And I think a lot of these guys are going to start getting – you know, if they see AEW, and this is what we want. We want this as wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. We want to see competition among the federations. Mm-hmm. We don't want to see WWE just running stuff because a lot of it's half-assed. And it was a crazy story. This is the first year that the WrestleMania 35 card is not set yet because this is the longest it's been because they don't have superstars right now. Mm-hmm. So outside of Lesnar against Seth Rollins, and probably what will wind up being Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. They got nothing. Yeah. 
Like they're what? still waiting. Like right now, the rumored SmackDown title match is going to be Daniel Bryan against Kevin Owens. That's what I heard. Because Kevin Owens is going to come back for for WrestleMania. That's the rumor. We have no idea. We can we can't we don't know what Oscar's going to do. Her versus Mandy Rose. I mean, come on. There was talk about Oscar versus Lacey Evans because McMahon really likes Lacey. I heard Evans. she's going to get a big push. Yeah, that McMahon wants her to be part of like he thinks they're like kind of a big three with her, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte. But that remains to be seen. But right now, there's no other matches because McMahon's not really – he doesn't yeah. think any of these guys are superstar caliber. Yeah, which, he, which is nuts. Because there was someone, even a crazy rumor that um, Big E is going to cost Kofi the title at Fastlane. Oh, my gosh. Which could set up a Big E-Kofi match at Mania. And I am very against breaking up the New Day. I'm 100% against breaking up the New Day. I understand they've run their course and all that stuff, but I think they're one of the best factions that WWE's ever had. Absolutely. But, like, I'm all for Kofi Kingston being the WWE champ. Like, I want to see Kofi be the – but, again, it's McMahon doesn't think that he's going to – I just don't get it. I really don't get it. You've got to give the fans the match they want. I'm not saying they don't want to see Kevin Owens. I think I'm sure they would love to see Kevin Owens. But I think that so far Kofi's on a high. You've got to put him in that match now. People were pissed at Elimination Chamber that he didn't win. It got silent after Daniel Bryan pinned him. I just look. I mean, they gotta give Kofi the belt. I mean, look. You said months, a month, ago, a month and a half ago, we're gonna be listening to the WWE universe. Well, the WWE universe is talking, and we want Kofi with the belt. Damn right, Clem. Say it. You know, say it louder. Preach. All right, let's finish up. Number three, Antonio Brown and the Steelers have mutually agreed to seek a trade for the star wide receiver. The Niners and the Jets are two teams that could add the wide receiver, but the Steelers are already saying they have no intention of taking a discount. If that's the case, you can count the Jets out. Good, I hope they so. They don't have the draft capital, and they're not going to give up the number three overall pick to get Antonio Brown. Now, if it was another thing, like, say, like, a next year's second-round pick, Leonard Williams, I wouldn't mind trading Leonard Williams. But no, I wouldn't do not – what the Jets cannot do is trade that third overall I'm pick. very reluctant to get rid of anybody right now in the Jets' defense because now that Greg Williams is coming in, I'm curious to see how good they're going to – I think they're going to be a lot better. Exactly. I think they're going to be coached better for games, and I think a lot of these – maybe some of these defensive draft guys mm-hmm. are going to really step up their game. Yeah. And I really – I believe that too. I mm-hmm. don't think – listen, I don't think that I'm, – I'm not going to get it twisted, but something tells you when you add a guy like Greg Williams to a defense, to a team, he's aggressive – he, he takes no risks. He takes no prisoners. He sends the kitchen sink at you all the time. And he disguises his blitz just as, blitzes just as better as anybody. And that's what you saw with the Browns, too, this year. The Browns improved their defense a lot. And you didn't see that out of Todd Bowles. And I think it's refreshing. And I think a lot of these guys are going to really kind of, under a guy like him, under a defensive coordinator like him, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be very beneficial. So mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to see a lot of these defensive players. You'll see guys like Buster Screen go and like whatever guys may be making too much money. But I think guys like Nathan Shepard, I think guys like Avery Williamson and Darren Lee are going to benefit big time. They're going to benefit big time by this. And I think another thing the Jets have to do this offseason is re-sign some key guys back. I think, re- think, think you've got to re-sign Henry Anderson. Antonio Brown on the Niners is not out of the realm of possibility. He does want to go there. And I think the Niners can figure out a way to make it work. Now, the Niners pick number two overall. That They're not going to trade the number two overall pick for Antonio Brown. But I could see them packaging first-round picks the year later, maybe even the year after that, if they really want him that bad. But he's 31 years old. And I'm not saying his skills have diminished. Far from it. But you got to think about that long and hard. And if I'm the Jets right now, I can't make a trade for Antonio Brown because I don't have enough to trade. Yeah. You know, unless they want to take Leonard Williams back, which I might be prepared to do to get Antonio Brown. 
But draft picks, I don't have any. And I'm not giving up two of my two threes. It's going to be hard. Because if you sign Le'Veon Bell and then give up your, both your third-round picks plus a first-rounder next year, the year after that, you're not going to do that. It's going to be very tough. But, I look, I'm, all, I'm as much as I would love Antonio Brown on the team because he would, again, like Le'Veon Bell, he would turn the Jets' offense to another octave. But it's not worth it from what they're, what they're going to ask. Number four, according to a report from the Athletics' Joe Varden, the Lakers are privately concerned about the health of LeBron James, citing that he's not moving at the same speed and not engaging at the point of attack. It's unknown whether James is fully recovered from the groin strain that cost him 18 games earlier this season. Um, here's the thing about the Lakers, and I'll just leave it at this. He's going to try to carry the team on his, on his back. He's not saying – the thing is LeBron has a decent team around him. He does not have a great team around him. It's not like it was at Cleveland when he had Kyrie or when he was in Miami with the big three. He's basically by himself with a bunch of young kids, and those young kids right now don't know how to win yet. They will eventually, but LeBron, and again, LeBron is 34 years old. He's, he's getting old. I'm not surprised he hasn't broken down sooner with the amount of minutes he's played, with the amount of time he's on the court. So this doesn't surprise me in the least. Maybe he is trying to do too much to get the Lakers back to the playoffs. Maybe this is why the Lakers are trying, we're trying to push for an Anthony Davis trade. Because right now, the way that roster is built, it's not a contending team, even with LeBron James on it. They might sneak in as an eight, but I don't see it being any more than that. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, LeBron has been, you know, he's been great this year, but, it, you know, this is the first time he's missed extensive time. The Lakers have to start putting better quality players around him. I'm not saying Brandon Ingram's a bad player or Lonzo Ball or Kyle Kuzma. I'm not saying that. But they're young. They're inexperienced. They don't know how to win yet. And I don't know if Luke Walton's the right guy to coach this team. So the Lakers have a lot of problems. And when LeBron's on the court, off the court, you see it clear as day. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised, and I'd be alarmed too if I was them because they invested a ton of money in the guy, and now he's got a nagging, you know, we don't, like I said, you may not be 100% healthy from that groin injury. But the Lakers are going to have to start making some moves. Now, listen, I don't blame the Lakers for backing out of the Anthony Davis talks, mainly because we don't know how serious the Pelicans were about trading them. But next year, they're going to have to be aggressive and go after some big-time players because otherwise you're going to have the same result. And the thing was, you brought LeBron there to win a championship. You didn't bring LeBron there for any other reason. But like other teams, if you don't support him, give him a supporting cast, he's not going to make it. And especially at his age, he's wearing down a little bit. I think he's definitely wearing down. It's showing. I mean, look, and it's crazy that, you know, this kind of, what, we, what we're calling wearing down is still like a great player. Mm-hmm. And that's how good LeBron James actually is. Number five, Zion Williamson suffered what Coach K called a mild knee sprain and was forced out of last night's loss to North Carolina. Williamson slipped and grabbed his right knee in pain when his Nike basketball shoe fell apart. He's wearing the Paul George shoes, too. So Paul George is like freaking out, going, "What the hell happened with my shoe?" Right, like it literally like exploded. Like, yeah, I was I'm listening to CMB today, listening to Lost Sports Radio, and you know what Maggie brought up? That love, love her. I, love, I love Maggie. Awesome. She's, she's amazing. Awesome. She's such a nice person too. Like, and she nice she brought up that maybe it's the fact that she was wearing 
a Paul George shoe because maybe the shoe is designed around the player, not around, you know, actual, you know, like quality because, and then Bart Scott was just like, oh, if that's the case, he's got to be wearing uh, Patrick Ewing sneakers. He probably has to be. I mean, <laughs> those got to be custom made. I mean, there's no way that, I mean, for the the size of the foot. I mean, Yeah, geez. I know. But, but that's just the amount of power but Zion here, exhilarates. But here comes the debate. And the debate starts again about, you know, well, these guys shouldn't be playing one and done and all that stuff. Look. My personal opinion is I think these guys need to have something to fall back on, mm-hmm. and a college education is very important. Okay, I understand playing ball is one thing, but for every guy that's Zion Williamson, there's a lot of guys that don't make it, okay? And they don't go back to school because they can't. They can't, they can't afford it, mm-hmm. and they're not on scholarship anymore. Some schools pride themselves, like Kentucky's very big on the whole one-and-done thing. And I think what will eventually happen is they're going to have to change the rule a little bit because either you're going to have to pay these kids something like some kind of an additional stipend from what they get or they're going to go to the G League and they're going to try to just make their money off there until they're ready to go pro. Yeah. But the thing is, is like um, I was never a big fan of one and done. My thing is if you're going to go to school, you need to go to school for at least two years. Yeah. You need to get at least two years of a college education. Because I think it's very important to these guys. These kids are young, man. They don't know anything. They don't. They're freaking 19 years old. They get they get handed $5 million. What do you think these guys are going to do? They're going to piss it away. Yeah. They don't know how to invest. They don't know how to do any of that stuff. And it's coming back now, too. You didn't see it. Like I saw it like maybe like a couple of weeks ago. It came out that John Wall is going back to school. And he was a, he was a one-and-done kid for, with Kentucky. But now he's, he's, going, he's going back to school, and he's going to get that degree, which I think was a great, is a great idea for John Wall. Islanders lost in overtime. I know, I saw. To the Oilers. Can't lose to the Oilers. Yeah, I don't want to – look, this team is due for a little bit of a drop, though, too. Yeah, they okay, were. Let's, let's kind of – they've been playing way over their heads. And the Western Canada swing is always a tough – it's a tough swing. Mm-hmm. You know, Calgary – Calgary's really good this year. You know, the Oilers stink. But, you know, again, you're playing the Oilers at home. So you can't really, you know, go too crazy about that. But this thing with Zion – but the thing is, again, this starts the debate. And, you know – it's it's a polarizing debate. A lot of people would say, oh, no, they should just go right to the NBA from high school. Fine. Are they that good enough, though? And we don't know that. Going to Duke for a year under Coach K could easily make you a much better ball player than what you were in high school. Yeah. Going to a year at Kentucky under Calipari will make you a much better player in high school and than Zion, what you are in high school. And Zion's come out and said that he would still even if the, even if going after high school was an option, he'd still go to and go he'd still go to college and play for the one year because that's where you learn how to and again, listening to CMB today, and that's where they were basically saying that's where you learn to become the player you you'll eventually become to be. That's where you learn how to eat correctly, you get on the workout plan, you do all this stuff. They don't in, in the NBA, they don't have time for that. There. Mm-hmm. They have. They don't have time. They want you to play, make you money, and then that's it. Yeah. They'll. This is where you develop, become a man. This is where you become, develop, become a teammate, a player, doing all this stuff that you don't. You don't. You will barely get to experience when you make the NBA roster. I think this is really late in the season. I've seen the Sacramento Kings with a winning record. They'll make the playoffs. I think thirty and twenty-seven. They're actually playing pretty well. They are. They're actually hanging tough with the Warriors right now. De'Aaron Fox is really good. It's about time, though, man. They've had so many first-round lottery picks. It's like it's about time these guys turn into something. I mean, although uh, Yorger's a good coach, though, too. I mm-hmm. actually like it. He's a pretty good coach. My buddy is a, is a Kings fan, so 
he always, I'm always asking him, I'm like, yo, how are the Kings doing, blah, blah, blah. And he was just, I'm, I, I, I see games every now and again. And De'Aaron Fox is just something else. And Buddy Yield really is coming to his own, too. Yeah. Those two guys, you can build, you can build around those two guys. But look, the debate will continue to go on and on about whether these guys should be getting paid money, should they not have to go to school or whatever. It's up to the player at the end of the day what they want to do. Now you have another option. You can go to the G League and make money and you can market yourself or whatever. And they'll build you up to get you to the draft. Mm -hmm. Or if you really want to be ballsy, go for LeVar Balls League. (laughs) But I'm saying at the end of the day, you know, we see an injury like this and everybody freaks the hell out because, oh, yeah, see what I mean? They, they should be going pro. But, I mean, at this, it's a fluky injury. It's a fluky injury. He's fine. It looks like he's going to be okay. Thank God. But it's always this, this weird debate. Mm-hmm. You know, here it comes. Like the minute – it's like, okay, the Jussie Smollett thing, right, which is just – a disgrace in itself for its a number of reasons. But it's amazing how the minute something happens right away, everybody floods social media. Everybody. Oh, where's the backlash? People have different ways of reacting to things. Not everybody goes ballistic on social media like everyone else does. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Joe Politics. Everybody thinks they're freaking Joe Politics on Facebook. The guy was a the guy was an idiot. He was a moron. Did he really think he was not going to get caught? It was only a matter of time. Clem, think about it. He says two white guys did all this. I'm not even going to repeat it because it was horrible enough. And the only two guys on any type of surveillance video were from Nigeria. And it turned out the two guys knew him. That alone should be a red flag. (laughs) But I'm saying we run to this debate all the time. The minute something happens, bam, we, we pounce on social media. We pounce this. We have to do this. You know, I don't hear people complaining or whatever it is. The guy got hurt in the game. There's no, that, that, that's, all, that's all part of life. It wouldn't have mattered if he was in the NBA or not. He, he still would have got hurt. Yeah. But it's like we have to stop kind of doing this crap where – the minute this guy gets hurt, we start raising debates about this. Now Silver has no choice. He's got to lift the one and done. See, what I think should be implemented is either do adopt what the MLB has. Yeah, sure. If you want to come out of high school, cool. You can come out of high school. But if you choose to go to college, you got to stay at least three years. At least three years. I just think of an, an education is very important, especially from a business standpoint, because these guys are going to be making a ton of money. And we see it all the time how basketball players go broke. Mm -hmm. Athletes go broke because they don't last very long. And there's not a lot of options out there. You can go overseas if you want to, but if you don't make it there, you're not going to make it anywhere. And being in school will learn, they will learn how to invest money. They will learn how to save money. They will learn how, they will learn things that they've never learned before. And Duke is a great school. Imagine going to play ball at Duke on a scholarship and getting a Duke education. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's like going to Notre Dame. Yeah. But spare me the drama about the well. They they need to lift the one and done. I, I could, to be honest, these kids should be in school. They should be playing bad. They should be going to school. See, and then the debate comes in. Oh, if they go to school, they should be getting paid. 
No, you don't. I don't think Why so. Why do they need to get paid for? There's no need to get paid because then you know what? It, not only does it start like, oh, why do they need to get paid? Then every athlete in this country needs to get paid. There's million, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of colleges out there who would be like, oh, well, then we need to get paid, and then we need to get paid. But the swim team needs to get paid. It's more of a cost than it would than it would it would actually be. Like you could never pay athlete, college athletes. You can never can never pay college. Athletes. And you pay in the way you do pay college athletes. Was with full scholarships. This is what I would do then. You know what? You want to pay college athletes, and let the boosters pay them. Let yeah. the alumni pay them. Lift the boosters scan if you scan the uh, rule if you don't want that. And they and you don't and they're, no, they're getting the money anyway. It doesn't matter. They're getting plenty of money from boosters and alumni. Yeah, not, and, yeah. You can't tell me that you know. Oh, Zion Williamson hasn't gotten you know like sneakers or money from old Duke alumni. You can't tell me that that hasn't happened. I mean, come on. The guy's wearing Nikes. You think he paid for them? No. You probably got him as a gift. Yeah. Like, oh, thank you for scoring 30 points and having 12 rebounds last week. Here's here's a pair of Jordan 12s. Yeah. But, again, let's stop the drama with this whole one and done. The fact is I think that kids need to be in school. Mm-hmm. I don't really care how long they stay. They have to stay. For me, it's two years. You say three. I don't care what it is. The fact is, though, I think if they're going to go to college, they need to be in school for at least two or three years is fine. Yeah. If I- they want to go pro, that's fine. But if they go pro – that's it. They don't get to go back. Mm-hmm. You know, just like it is now. Unless you pay your way back. Yeah. You want to go back to school and get an education and pay for you the tuition on your own, more power to you. Go for it. And that's what and that's exactly what John Wall is doing right now. Look, he's injured. He has time off and he's seeing an opportunity. I'm gonna go back to college. Yeah. Smart 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 man. Very smart man. But because I think- again, it, the, these guys know that their careers are winding down. Mm-hmm. And a lot of athletes, which I really like to see out of them, is they like they go to school after they retire. To get their degree. Yeah. Or they try to get it during the summertime when they're not playing. Yeah. You know, basketball players have a tendency to go over the summer because they're not playing. Yeah. Baseball players may choose to go in the wintertime when they're not playing. You know, that's what you like to see. I see. Like, I just, I think the NBA should just adopt the MLB rule. Either, yeah, you want to go out of college, out of high school? That's fine. You do, that's your decision to go out of high school. But if you want to, if you want to come to college, you got to stay three years. I think you got to stay three years. All right, so we have a couple of more before we get out of here. Um, George St. Pierre is going to retire. So guess who wants to fight him? Khabib. Oh, give me a Khabib St. Pierre. Fight. we got to get Isaac back on for that. We oh, yeah. talk about that. But uh, Khabib is still suspended, but um, he could be looking at a possible November match against George St. Pierre if GSP wants to go for it. Look, I'm not, I don't hate the idea of Khabib and GSP. Give me that, 100%. I'd rather see Khabib GSP than see Khabib Mayweather. I'd rather see Khabib, I mean, not Khabib, GSP McGregor. You want to put the two biggest names in the company. Those are them right there. Look, I know Khabib. But does McGregor want the fight, though? I don't know. I really don't know. So I think McGregor's kind of winding down a little bit because, you know, he lost to Khabib. He lost to Khabib, and he got beat pretty bad by Khabib. So did his, so did his crew. Um, I don't know. Part of me thinks Conor McGregor's winding down a little bit. Like, I don't think he's as much of an impactful fighter as he was. And I think Khabib has kind of turned the corner. And the suspensions are kind of ridiculous. We already know that. But the fact is, though, a Khabib-GSP fight would be awesome. That would be great. It would, it would literally say who's the best in the company ever. Exactly. Because Khabib is undefeated. In his, in his mixed martial arts career, he's undefeated. Yeah. 
And then last but not least, as I told you, the rumored card for the NXT for the TakeOver pay-per-view. By the way, I'm leaning towards going to the ROH show at the Garden. Tickets are actually pretty cheap. I would imagine. Pretty affordable for the Garden. So I might – I was thinking about taking my daughter. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, like, if those are, like, more hardcore fans compared to, like – when I went to SmackDown, it was like yeah. kind of like BS. But I know my daughter's starting to get into wrestling, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of like 50-50 on it. Okay, so here are the matches that are rumored. It says, here's the one match we mostly know is set for TakeOver New York as it stands based on Wednesday night's spoiler. The War Raiders will defend against the winner of the Forgotten Sons and Ricochet Alistair Black for the NXT Tag Team titles. Ricochet, Alistair Black, and the Forgotten Sons. Yeah, that was that was. I'm assuming that's the Dusty Rhodes tournament. Well, yeah. What I saw from watching NXT this week it was that they announced four teams for the Dusty Rhodes tournament. It was undisputed era of Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, uh, Street Profits, Forgotten Sons, and um, some other fourth team. And then they were going to announce the four other teams. I think next week. So that's the rumor right now. Uh, I'm not a fan of that. Then you have, once again, Ciampa versus Gargano. I'm not a fan of that either because it looks like they're, you know, together right now. So, give me DIY. Okay. Then you have Shayna Baszler. Okay. Against Bianca Belair. Okay. Versus Io Shirai versus Kyrie Sane. I like the NXT it. Women's I'm, I, I think that is where it's going, and I, am not, I do not hate that one bit. Then you have Matt Riddle. Versus Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream for the North American Championship. Ooh, Ooh, that's hot. I like that. And speaking of Matt Riddle, did you see what he said? I did not. He said he wants to be the man to retire Brock Lesnar. Ooh, okay. I I would definitely – that would be pretty cool. And then last – since NXT TakeOver is only really five matches, Keith Lee – Against mm-hmm. Dominic Dijakovic. I like Dijakovic. I like him a lot. I think he has a lot of potential. And him versus Keith Lee, that'll be a fire car. That'll be look. I'm I'm all for those last three matches. The first two matches mm-hmm. take me off of. I don't want that. I don't want Gargano versus Champa again. No, I don't want Gargano versus Champa either. I'd rather have Champa against someone else. But the thing is, like NXT, like I think they have some really good developmental talent, but none of it's ready to really take the main stage, though. I think there's only like a, a handful of guys who can take the main stage. I think one of them is Johnny Gargano, mm-hmm. and I think the other one is uh, either is Aleister Black. Well, think, if, but if they but if they're going up to the main roster, they're they're not. You know, it's useless. Yeah. No. Now, from what I had read, apparently. Vince is going to be kind of – these guys are going to be going shuttling back and forth from Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. They're going to be pretty much, you know, build them up. and then, But they're still going to be primarily NXT guys, but they are going to be wrestling on Raw and SmackDown also. No, see, and that's where I think the third brand comes in of NXT becoming its the third brand of the WWE, mm-hmm. of having all these guys – excuse me – having all these guys come back from different shows and whatnot and represent on each, on each show. I think it's going to eventually be that – they're going to be like, hey, Impact. Uh, impact. NXT is going to be the the new, the third brand, the ECW almost. Right. So that's the card right now. It's not confirmed. It's just a rumored card, but some of it is actually the, the War Raiders match looks like that is confirmed. See, give me what I want. Is, it's not going to happen. Give me the tag titles mm-hmm. in a ladder match. 
at Brooklyn at Takeover New York. Okay, I would love that. You have you have four, you can have four tag teams. You have the War Raiders, Undisputed Era, um, Street Profits, and uh, Forgotten Sons. Whoever it is, whether it's Oni and Larkin, uh, Mustache Mountain, whoever it is, give me a four way tag match for the in the in the ladder match. That'd be fantastic. Give me Velveteen Dream, Adam Cole, and uh, Matt Riddle for the North American title. I love that. Mm-hmm. Or even put Adam Cole in the NXT Championship spotlight. He hasn't really gotten an NXT Championship title opportunity, really. He's only- I think it's building up to eventually become that. I think NFL, and Undisputed Era, like the second half of the year, will probably become big players. I think right now they're kind of just laying them. There's other guys they need to work, figure out before. And once those guys go up to the main roster, I think that's when you see Undisputed mm-hmm. Era take the next step forward. Mm-hmm. And then finally, a very melancholy day for Jim Beheim. Um, this is just like tragic in itself. Jim Beheim was driving, I think, uh, and he accidentally killed a man. Um, and he, you know, the thing is, is like we say it like that, but it's very traumatizing, I'm sure, for him. Very depressing. Because from what I was reading, he tried to save the guy, and he couldn't. And it's like something out of a movie, you mm-hmm. know. And he had been cooperating with police and helping police and everything like that. And it's just, you know, it's a very melancholy day. You know, for someone like him, who was phenomenal coach, phenomenal basketball coach, it says a lot that, you know, again, how do you live with that? And how do you – can you focus – How do you focus on just coaching and doing finishing out the season when you have that kind of laying in your head? It's tough. It's going to be very tough for Jim Babyheim. I think he takes the rest of the year off. It won't surprise me if this if he calls it quits after this season. I really think, look, I mean, look, he has nothing else to prove. I mean, no offense to the Q's basketball team, but they're not going anywhere this year. They're mm-hmm. not making – like, if they do make the tournament, I don't think they go far. And Q's hasn't been good for years now. They haven't been good since uh, – well, actually, really, I mean, look, they had a miracle Final Four run a couple of years ago. But other than that, they haven't really been good since uh, Michael Carter-Williams was playing there when they were ranked number one in the country. Yeah. And that was that was when I was in high school. Right. So, I mean, look, I think Jim Beheim, look, as sad as this is, as this is tra- this is tragic, as me being a Cuse fan. I love watching – I love Jim Beheim. I love the Cuse program, but I think it's time after this kind of thing. I mean, look, I know you didn't purposely do this. You did by accident, but I think you got to – call it quits after this yeah i mean it's just depressing and you know we our thoughts go out to him of course and you know because again it's just very and live and the thing is in syracuse it's snowing all year round mm-hmm. it's probably one of the most depressing areas i i mean to live in in the winter time i mean you really have to have been homegrown from there to really appreciate it but if you're at a long island transplant you hate it mm-hmm. and i went to oswego for a year which is about 40 minutes north of syracuse mm-hmm. like 40 50 minutes north and, I mean, from November to March, all it did was snow. Yeah. And it was right on Lake Ontario, which just made it worse. But never stop the cab drivers from picking up the kids on a Friday night to go bar hopping, that's for sure. <laughs> Those guys would be friggin' fishtailing out, out of the uh, <laughs> off the campus to get these kids out. But, you know, again, it's very depressing. And, you know, again, we wish, you know, we hope he's okay. And I'm sure it's going to be a bit traumatizing for him. But, um, you know, that's pretty much all we have to say on that. And with that, we have to end our show for this Thursday night. And we'd like to thank everybody for checking us out, whether on the Periscope feed, whether on the Twitter, whether on Facebook Live, and on the live stream on the TuneIn app, as well as the website. You can catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 
Today we're on Thursday because of the storm last night. We will not have a show tomorrow night, but we'll be back. Clem will be back Monday night with his very own solo show. So please check it out. 10 p.m. right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Everybody, thank you so much for checking us out, whether on the Periscope feed, whether on Facebook Live, the TuneIn app, or or the uh, or the world or the uh, stream on the website. Everybody, wherever you are, have a great weekend. And Clem uh, will be back Monday night, riding solo, right here on the Moffat on the Mic Radio Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care. I will be back Wednesday. Clint will talk to you on Monday. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.